Shit, I love that music. <laughs> They're the only motherfuckers who will tell the truth on the planet is a rap dude who doesn't give two shits about what anybody thinks. <laughs> I don't know if they're right all the time, but they will tell you their truth. That's for sure. Tupac for you. What's happening, everybody? Greg Madford here. I don't even know what we're calling the show yet. I think it's uh, going there with Greg. Guys, I have so much stuff to talk about today. I would just thought I would rip it and say hello to everybody, see how you're all doing um, on this happy Monday here. <sighs> well, listen, I've got stuff to run down. So uh, before we do that, I want to give a shout out to our good friend, uh, Hank Greenberg and his company, Blackside Customs. Uh, we've done some work for him and we'll do some more work as time goes by. I just finished up a really cool project for him. And if you guys, you can find him on Instagram at Blackside Customs. Um, we did these, um, just absolutely bitching, like kind of the world's most badass high-end yo-yo. I know it sounds kind of funny, but this was a really hard project to pull off. Very, very hard part to make and make the right weight and make it do the right things. It's um, got a titanium central axle and just a super cool product. We also made some out of titanium for him, which I just finished and they're gorgeous. So go over to, uh, Blackside Customs and say hi to Hank from us. Um, you know, uh, and I will shout out another, uh, product. I don't know who makes the damn thing, but I don't have any advertisers. I just like to talk about stuff that I really like and I'm going to show you a really cool knuckle thing that I got from somebody that just makes me warm inside every time I see the damn thing you know we've got a bunch of things going on around the world that are just maddening and I don't understand and hey Mark Douglas by the way we've got things going on around the world and they're enough to make you batshit crazy so let's talk about it we've got this is a this is the strangest thing I've ever seen in my entire adult life. We have Congress trying to pass a $3.5 trillion COVID bill, infrastructure bill, social engineering bill. I don't even remember what they're selling it as anymore because it, it almost has almost nothing in there. I think it was an infrastructure bill. And uh, there's like barely anything for infrastructure on, on the whole. It's fascinating. They're trying to pass the... 3.5 trillion. They're saying trillion like we used to say billion. Trillion is the new billion. <laughs> this is like saying a 111-year-old person is a spring chicken. $3.5 trillion, much of it is social engineering. Much of it has nothing to do with infrastructure. They still have money in accounts from the very first uh, PPP uh bill that was a emergency bill that was passed when COVID broke and they put their head up their asses and shut the country down. I have so much to say about this. A $3.5 trillion spending deal, spending bill. Wow. They're using scare tactics and they're, they're beginning to talk about the impending debt crisis because we're going to crash through our debt ceiling. So they are spending $3.5 trying to pass a bill 
that the, that not everyone wants. It is no by no means a mandate. You know, if you say to your wife, "Hey, I'm going to go buy a brand new uh, Porsche 911 GT3 RS," and your wife says, uh, "Yeah, that's going to bankrupt us. Maybe go get a Ford Mustang GT. How's that?" And you go, "All right." And maybe what you do is you, you go get your you get you get your pickup truck detailed, and you get a you get a graphic for it. <laughs> There's some you go, "Yeah, she's right. I shouldn't go get a 911 RS." Ah. And you get something reasonable. But these guys, no such luck. Um, not only does the wife not want it, they're going to get two of them. They're going to buy a racetrack to run the car on $3.5 trillion. They're going to crash through the debt ceiling, and then they're going to scare us all that if we don't Tell our congressmen to support and our senators to support a raise in the debt limit and the debt ceiling. We're going to default and we're irresponsible as a nation. I just need to say this out loud. You know, the best way to uncover absurdity is to just repeat it a couple times. They are going to, I already have a, a thumb down. You believe that? I have a thumb down. There are 10 people listening and I have a thumb down on... $3.5 trillion in spending that they're doing and then they're coming to us saying there's an emergency because we're going to break the impending uh, the debt, debt ceiling and we need to raise that. So in other words, we're going to spend money we don't have on credit we can't get and don't have. So what we're going to do is on paper we're going to pistol whip an approval by the bank we own to lend it to ourselves. Only in America is this even legal, and maybe like uh, the Central African Republic or the Congo, someplace, or Venezuela. This is Venezuela spending. Meanwhile, if you live in a Democrat state, your state is shutting down, arguing about shutting down, partially shut down, masked up, vaccined up, and people are picking sides of the camp and lobbing snowballs at each other. People are losing their jobs over this. It's changing people's lives, livelihoods. And I know if you're a Democrat listening, you say, it's killing people. It's not really. It's not really, everybody. It's not really. Harvard, and Tufts, Harvard University, Tufts University, and the VA have come out with a preliminary study they've published that says, that says COVID hospitalizations may be exaggerated by 50%. Or they may be half of what they are. So that actually means exaggerated by 100%. They may be half of what's being reported. Because many people who come into the hospital are actually coming for something else and are being found positive with COVID as they're being tested en masse. While that's going on, Texas has passed this six-week abortion bill. No abortions after six weeks. And it's actually, Roe v. Wade is going to go before the Supreme Court in December. I think December. Wow. We can argue the merits of that till the cows come home and we won't agree. And some people are going to be really happy about it. And they have all sorts of internal struggle about this. I want to when I'm in the presence of the women in my life, sound like I'm 
open-minded and considerate of their body and their choice. In the same breath, I hear a news story saying, you know, I have to get vaccinated because I'm going to kill other people if I don't, even though when you're vaccinated, you still can carry a virus and pass it on to people. You just don't show the symptoms as much or at all. But you can kill somebody. But it's a woman's choice. But you kill somebody. I mean, these are complex, nuanced arguments. We're getting fake numbers on COVID to scare us all into submission. Because there's lots and lots of money on the table. These big conglomerate, billion dollar, uh, multi-billion dollar conglomerate hospital uh, companies. There's a racket going on around COVID. There's a misreporting going on. And there's a lot of disinformation going on. Yet if you don't get a vaccination, you're a killer in half the, the minds of half this country. That's how dumb everybody is with science. Except if you work for a big organization or a big government entity and they've accepted your entity from having to comply with vaccination. Because the unions who step in and represent their members and say they're not going to lose their pension because you want them to do a medical procedure that they don't want to do. Meanwhile, I believe there were 23 or 29 uh, American civilians evacuated from Kabul within the last 24 hours. So that's still going on. Good job. And General Milley is apparently, um, it, apparently it's okay to um, circumvent the president and call the leaders or your counterpart in enemy states and give them your hyperbolic, huffing and puffing view of what's happening in America in the political spectrum. And nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care. What happens if you're working hard and you're saving your money and you're putting your money away in a retirement? Let's say you have a couple million dollars saved up for your retirement. Let's say you bought a few houses and you've dealt with renters for years. All of a sudden, your money becomes useless. The money you've saved becomes useless. The principal value of the property may become useless. And actually, if you own property, you may work out better than others because at least it's securitized value. It's got something behind it. It's not just dollars. What if you have dollars in the stock market? What if you have dollars saved up to pay for your future because you've been a diligent, hardworking citizen? And, and a group of people who are apparently accountable to no one spend all that money, borrow a bunch more, borrow a bunch more, collapse the dollar that you have your retirement saved in, and your retirement becomes worthless. Like at this point, it's a complete shell game. If everyone's deficit spending and everyone's in debt, Did, did, the, did the Congress just find out that the dollar bill is actually a scam? I'd like to know. Because they're spending it like there's no consequences for going bankrupt. This used to matter. 
Now, you can deficit spend if you're growing businesses, but if you have them all shut down, or if you have a great amount of them shut down, or if you're putting downward pressure on them, you can't deficit spend. This is all going to catch up with us, you guys. Everybody, this should be the topic of conversation. You should be reaching out to your 435 members of Congress and your senators from your state, and you should be writing them letters and letting them know. If they're Democrats, you probably should move, or you should get rid of them. And the Republicans, quite frankly, aren't much better. The rhino bunch, they're not much better. Actually, they're the same. I've had so many people reach out to me. I think it was Janet Reno a couple administrations ago who said that veterans were the biggest form and biggest source of domestic terrorism. And everyone, the VA, uh, veterans groups, everyone was up in arms over what she said. And do you know what? She's absolutely right. At what point have we had enough and who is it going to be that stands up? You know, I'll ask you a question. There's never been a time in history where we have picked the weak to lead us. Never. It has never been the case. We are picking the weak to lead us now. The weak are in charge. They're physically weak. They're emotionally weak. They're mentally, they're mentally crooked. They're mentally off-center. So they're mentally weak. I'll say it. If you're a liberal, a modern-day liberal in this country, you're mentally weak. And if you're really strong, I want to hear your strong argument for anything. And your strong, ar strong ar argument can't be Trump bad. That's, that's actually not an argument. We have real things going on in this country, and all I see are a bunch of feckless ding-dongs, fully masked up, standing six feet away from each other when the camera's on. We got a president who's reading a list of who he's allowed to talk to when they're hitting the, they're hitting the kill switch on him whenever he gets off script. The press is colluding. If you are in the press, you're a liar and you're stupid. If you're woke, you're stupid too. If you're woke, you're stupid. You just don't know it. You've been sold a Marxist uh, ruse and you've bought it hook, line, and sink. If you're woke, you're stupid. You know what? You know what the the uh, camel under the 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 uh, camel nose under the tent was? Feminism. If you're a feminist, you're probably stupid too. And I don't care how educated or what your intelligent intelligence quotient is. You're probably stupid too. The things we do and the things we believe in are for the culture and society that we're in because it all has to interact and work together in a positive way to uplift the humans who are in the tribe, the people who are here in the group, here in the culture, here participating. We have, it has become kitsch and popular and mainstream to be a nihilist and to be a, com a communist, a Marxist. While we spend $3.5 trillion and then scare the crap out of the American people, telling them we have a fiduciary responsibility to not renege on our debts, while we're spending like drunken sailors 
and basically breaking our own rules and increasing our debt limit. Our country is basically gone nuts with the American Express card and the American Express card, they keep begging and the American Express keeps, American Express just keeps up in the limit and they just keep buying stuff. If we don't stand up to them, whether you're a liberal or a conservative, if we don't stand up to this unhinged, irresponsible leadership, we will collapse the whole house of cards. There has never been a country in history that has given more equity to women, minorities, whether it's people of color or religions, there has never been a country ever that's done it like we have. Never. And we've paid for it repeatedly with our blood and with our treasure. Take a quick break. I want to show you guys this knuckle thing that the guys at Monkey Edge sent me. Because I saw one in a meme and I called them up. I said, dude, guys, I got to have one of those. So this is a... For those of you who aren't knife nuts, there's a 1918 um, knuckle dagger from World War One um, that... Uh, is like kind of a coveted prized collector's piece. I think they go for a couple grand these days. This uh, fella made a uh, a nuck that you can kind of put your keys on. It's got a little key ring hole here, and it's got a bottle opener. And it's and it's the it's looks to me. I don't have a 1918, but I held one the other day, and it, it seems like it has the exact same dimensions. It's like they it's like they cut off a 1918 knuckle dagger and and uh, made this double nuck out of it. I just think it's my favorite knuck I've ever seen because it's like kind of cool and it's modern and it's absolutely old school, you know, World War One awesomeness. Um, so whoever it is who came up with this, someone's going to say in the notes, they're going to know who it is. Whoever came up with this is just awesome. Super cool. So you guys should find these out there. 1918 brass knuck. And I know Monkey Edge just got them or had them. Super cool. So my thanks to the guys at Monkey Edge for sending that out. Let's go to the board and see what people are saying. I know people hate me. It's okay. It's okay, people. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Joe Erler's there. The person with a thumb down. Oh, okay, I'll show that one. We could show that. It's cool. Thanks. You, you have to be stupid to still support Biden. Okay. You know what's funny is, YouTube is stopping. You have to be stupid to support Biden. And they're blocking that comment from going through because it could be sensitive content. You have to be stupid to support the president has become... That's hate speech. Dirty fucking commies. Thank God I'm in a red state. Okay, hello, Mr. Medford. Hello, Dewey. Uh, fake news. Mark's got a lot of comments. Chris Rackley. Dollar equals squat. Chris, you're right. Four horsemen. I love this guy. Hey, <laughs> four horsemen. <laughs> Thanks, man. I get a lot of hate mail. Greg knows this. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Kill a rabbit. I have a copy. It's cool. I love you, Greg. Hey, thanks, man. I love you, too. Wait, you're making too much sense. Please don't stop. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys, it's the... Second part of the show, welcome aboard. I'm going to tell you guys a little story. I, uh, my entire life, 
I've wrestled with racism and bigotry and all of that. And I don't want to blame anybody, but you know, my family kind of came out of, half my family came out of Mississippi and Texas and ended up here. Uh, my grandfather ended up here after he lost his first wife to typhoid, I believe. Something like that. Consumption. Who knows? Whatever the hell people were dying from during the Dust Bowl. Anyways, she passed away and he ended up out here and my dad ended up here and here, here I am a native Arizona. So uh, he was a cop and he came out of the South and, you know, he had his prejudices and his, uh, you know, racial proclivities at the time. And in the middle of all that, he and my grandmother opened uh, what was the first integrated diner in Chandler, Arizona, where uh, black Mexican Indians and white people could all go to the diner together. So in the middle of all of his eternal struggle, and he came up out of cattle ranch and left home when he was 12 and, you know, had all of the, had all of those kind of unworldly views of things. And he also had some worldly views and he ran for political office and, uh, you know, he kind of, kind of evolved and had a, and had his own life down here. My dad carried some of those, and I got some of those. And I, so I heard things growing up that nobody would say anymore. I heard things said that nobody would say anymore. Some of it is like, uh, I, I want to say it's like old-fashioned banter amongst guys that you would never repeat out loud, and you wouldn't actually want your wife to know you said, but amongst the fellas, you might say you might say while you're fishing. Almost, It's almost kind of like, not just blowing off steam, but seeing something so awful, it almost decompresses all the bullshit you hear. I'm not making excuses for it. I'm just saying where I think it comes from. So, you know, now all of a sudden I come from this scrabble, dusty, southwestern, you know, up by the bootstraps, working on a cattle ranch. You know, my grandfather, I think, worked a chuck wagon and shod horses during World War One. I. I mean... A really kind of rough, primitive American life. And you get these opinions. And I think Bob Dylan wrote wrote about it. He talked about the poor white, uh, you know, being uh, pointed to the color of black people's skin. It was the only way to keep them down is to let them think they were above someone else. I can't remember the song. I'm sure one of you remembers. I struggled with all those things. And uh, the last four and a half, five years has been the most interesting kind of racial awakening in my life. Maybe you guys care about this, maybe you don't, but I will tell you why. You can tell somebody that everyone is equal. You can tell somebody that everyone's the same. You can shame people into quieting their bigotry. You can have people stop saying bigoted things, but you can't make it stop happening in someone's head. And... um what I noticed is that my thoughts changed. Now, I tried. Now, part of it's you get older and you mature. Part of it is maybe I'm more worldly. Uh, part of it is uh, I've interacted with a lot more people than I did when I was a youngster. Um, part of it is I'm not closed-minded. And as new information comes, my worldview, my ethos changes and evolves. And part of it is that um, the same class warfare that's been going on, the same race warfare, the gender warfare, a lot of that's been blown up in the last couple of years by the left. 
And what happens is your their typical um, constituency that they rely on, the black, the single female, the black female, um, the uh, non non traditional gender. <coughs> as those folks, so as somebody who believes really that all people are actually equal and all they have to do is rise up. All we had to do was wait long enough for the left to go off the deep end and for people of color and people of uh, different religions um, and people uh, who weren't, you know, let's say waspy mainstream Republican. All we had to do was let the weight of our ideas connect with the content of their character. And when that happened, and I've never seen it happen before, never, but I saw it happen during the Trump presidency because he was so divisive, so polarizing. And people say, oh, if he would just, if he'd have just not been polarizing, and I'm, I said, well, you know, that's kind of what made him really good at this. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He didn't tap dance around a dead body. He kicked it and said, hey, there's something dead laying there. I got to see people that I would have never, I've never felt connected to. I have never, ever in my entire life felt connected to uh, Africans right off the boat from Africa here in America. I haven't known much about them, quite frankly. I've never connected with Guatemalans. I've never connected with all kinds of people just because I'm in my own little narrow lane. And what was interesting is to start, um, I, and I also hadn't been real active going to political gatherings, and I started doing that. So I'm in political gatherings, and I'm obviously going to Trump rallies, and I've got black people and Hispanic people, and they're all around. And I make a point of talking to them. I'm like, hey, tell me about why you're here. And I start hearing them talk, and they sound like my grandfather. They sound like my dad. They sound like me. And I go, oh, we're exactly the same. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like, you've known me. Like, my dad went to a rally, and he's not real. Like, get into it with everybody. I'll get into it with everybody. I usually have a big debate going on around me. While it's, we're all laughing, and I'm usually end up hugging people, and it's just great. My dad, he's like, oh, you don't like crowds. You don't like talking to anybody. He doesn't want anybody bringing up Jesus, or he'll like, you know, tell him the f off. And I just noticed, having been to a half a dozen of these rallies now. I run into people of all races, creeds, and and colors, and uh, people say race. I guess we're all the human race. We're running all these people of different colors, and uh, I love talking to them and asking them why they are at a Trump rally and why they are, you know, is it because you're conservative? What's the deal? And the answers they give me have basically melted away color in my eyes. Also, um, when I have seen black guys and Mexican guys wearing Trump shirts or with Trump stickers on their cars. I will literally follow a guy through a parking lot to pull up next to him and talk to him. And uh, it's kind of melted a lot of my preconceptions. And when I run into like 55-year-old white women who are pro-Trump, I want to talk to them too. Um, so whether or not you like Trump, that's fine. Uh, it's been interesting to connect with fellow Trumpers um, from all these different backgrounds and hear them talk like me. And my own prejudices and my own racism and my own 
bias. It's been assaulted by this openness and these people who are like-minded to me. And uh, it doesn't mean, I guess what it means is I'm more of a classist and a thinkist than I am a racist and a bigot. <laughs> I've been called everything since I've been online. Uh, and I say anything and people say you're a racist. I've been, you know, he wouldn't even believe the stuff I've been called. And I, I kind of found out that I really don't like people who have dumb worldviews. And I don't mean different. I mean dumb. Oh. For tomorrow's video? <laughs> hey, for those of you who are in the know, tomorrow we'll be doing a Nishimoto video. We have our latest installment in the Nishimoto saga. <laughs> it's fantastic. So I just thought it's been kind of uh, kind of fascinating, uh, just my own, feeling my own barriers kind of crumble, my feeling my own walls, my own barricades crumble under uh, what is supposedly the most racist, awful, bad man ever because of the interactions I've had with so many people that look different than me, who are just like me. And I know there are a lot of really high-minded folks who think they're, they were already that way. But most people aren't already that way because most people don't mix with folks outside their little tight-knit circle. Um, I thought it's one of the interesting byproducts of, quote-unquote, a racist president. One of the most interesting byproducts of a divisive, big-mouth president. I don't think any of those things about him. I love his tweets. I didn't even think they were that mean. I just thought they were super direct. I liked it. You know what presidential means my entire life? Uh, talking out of both sides of your mouth, a lion, and doing the opposite of what you say you're going to do, and pandering to the crowd you're standing in front of. That's what presidential means to me. Presidential typically to me means weak. I've watched erudite, urbane, well-spoken, Ivy League-educated guys send my friends, my friends' children, young people that I know as fathers and mothers, into cannon fire. But boy, they were presidential. Gosh, they were so smooth. I don't want my president to be smooth. I want him to be direct. I don't want him to be predictable. I want him to keep you on your toes. I want him up at 2 o'clock in the morning thinking about business, thinking about the business of the state. I don't want him letting us know what's on his mind. When crazy things are going on in North Korea, I want to tweet at 2 o'clock in the morning that says, my button's bigger than yours, calm down. I mean, that's super New York. It's so New York of him. It's awesome. Oh, it's embarrassing. What's embarrassing about a nation being threatened by a nuclear petty dictator like we have in North Korea? What is embarrassing about our president publicly telling him to knock it off or we'll drop him? What's, what's embarrassing about that? If you guys, if you're out to an event and another man pats your wife's ass over at the bar because she went over to get a couple of drinks, you got stuck in a conversation. What do you do? Do you walk over, tap the guy on the shoulder, say, you. You need to be a gentleman. That's my wife's. That's my girlfriend's. Tushy you touched. 
You pull a move like that again, I'll smash your face into that fucking bar. I think that's super gentlemanly. I actually think it's very gentlemanly. I will take you in your tuxedo and cave your teeth in with my knee if you pull a move like that again. Matter of fact, why don't you leave the room right now before I go get security, you dirtbag. Is that gentlemanly? Is it gentlemanly to stick up for... How many women out there... We don't have too many women on the phone right now, on the, on the show right now. How many women out there have had their ass patted without invitation? Which at various points in our history wasn't that big a deal, and it's a big deal now. And is it a big deal in the grand scheme of things? No, but it tells you a lot about somebody in 2021 if they'll just pat a, an, an, an unsolicited pat on the ass of a woman. Happens in bars all the time. Are you a gentleman if you stick up for a woman who just had her an unsolicited ass pat or grab or a grope? Is that ungentlemanly? What happens if you see someone steal something at a store? Do you say nothing or do you say something? You be very gentle and don't say anything. Just, you know, it's not our problem. Or do you walk over and say, hey, put that back or I'm going to the manager right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to the manager right now. Why don't you leave the store? That's what I do. I see that kind of stuff all the time. I always say something. Stop that. You stop it. I think people have mistaken weakness and silence for gentlemanly. Gentlemanly is doing the right thing. And doing the right thing is hard. And not everyone likes it. It's easy to do to do nothing. That's easy. Except for me. Cool. Gracias. I think we need to redefine what being a gentleman is. Just the thought. I think I think it is important for us to remember that being a gentleman is not what our school teacher told us almost ever. And that weakness that we confuse with being a gentleman, weakness is not who we want in charge. And weakness, even though it may be well-spoken and polite, is not what we need. <laughs> you know, I'm not very religious, but it's one of the great, it's one of the great stories of Jesus is he, he uh, sees all the people charging fees and such to pray at the temple and he it just incenses him and he goes through the temple kicking over tables. I think he had a whip even, I don't know. The anointed one has this cathartic kicking over the tables, basically telling everyone it shouldn't cost you to relate with God. There was nothing polite about that. There was nothing gentlemanly about that. The reason the story is repeated by billions of people over the course of 2,000 years is because doing the right thing is a to-do. And we need to remember that. Most presidents, they don't do the right thing. Most presidents do whatever causes them the least amount of pain, and they almost never do what's good for the country. So when you critique, whether it's Trump or the bumbling old sot we have in there now or the next, whoever the next person is, 
when you critique them, don't do it because of the way they wear their clothes. Don't do it because of the way they talk. Don't do it because of the way they do their hair or how they drive a car. Don't do it because of the shoes their wife wears. Those are all distractions. Do it because of the content of their actions. Do it because of the outcome of their initiatives. Do it because of the things it does for our tribe, the country. Right now, we have two of the most experienced legislators with longest terms of anyone we've ever had sitting in our House and Senate, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And they are going to steal $3.5 trillion from the American coffer. They're going to steal it. Then they're going to up our credit card limit so that we can do it, so that we can fund it. They're stealing it from you. Here's the way this works. If you have $100,000 and there are $10 trillion in circulation, and I know it's more than that, and they double the amount of dollars in circulation. The buying power of your $100,000 goes to $50,000, what it is today. It goes to half. You get half the buying power. This is super simple. These guys have got PhDs and they all wax rhapsodic in macroeconomics. All these theories, Milton Friedman. If you double the amount of dollars in the space... Whatever dollars you have are worth half as much. That's it. Because they're not securitized. They're promissory notes. I don't know much about banking, but it seems to after you listen to the theory and you look at the curve, and you it seems like that's exactly what they're saying, and they find a hundred ways to say it. So write emails to your congressman, write emails to your senator, tell them no on 3.5 trillion. Tell them no on raising the debt limit. The debt ceiling, don't believe what you're seeing because according to Harvard, according to Tufts, according to the VA, numbers are being misreported on COVID in this country. I think we've all known, here's the problem when you lie to the population. When you lie because you don't like the commander-in-chief or you don't like his initiatives or you want to undermine his success, when you lie, you undermine your credibility. It's just like the old cry-wolf scenario. When you undermine your credibility, it's hard to come back and tell us the next thing's going to really save our life. No, I really mean it this time. This will really save your life. We have traitors wearing stars on their collars and their fancy little uniforms and their stupid fruit salad. Traitors. They're just killing our kids. We've got traitors in the White House. Traitors. Not being honest not doing the right thing we have a commander-in-chief who can't form a paragraph he can't form a complete sentence no one's being honest that's our monday for you tomorrow we will do an episode of uh the final hopefully the final chapter on the nishimoto saga and uh hopefully you guys will enjoy that <laughs> it's got a fun story behind it Okay, well, thanks for stopping by. Go in there with Greg, and uh, I'll see you guys maybe tomorrow. I'm out.